Welcome to another episode of Stardust MQ, I'm Cameron Furlong. My guest today is Macquarie University postgraduate researcher Anita Petzler. She's done some work looking at hydrogen regions of interstellar space and recently did a study with Dr. Joe Dawson, a previous guest on the podcast, as well as Professor Mark Wardle on using hydroxyl as a tracer for H2 regions in the ISM. I talked to Anita about this particular bit of research as well as what may lie ahead for her in the future. Um, so I had a little bit of a look through uh, your uh, research outputs and I wanted to first ask you about your um, the, the hydroxyl flip trace uh, as a tracer for uh, H2 regions. Could you tell me a bit, a bit about that? Yeah, um, so this is all in the context of the interstellar medium. So um, I observe the interstellar medium via transitions of the hydroxyl molecule. And it has, uh, its ground state is split into four levels and there's four transitions that are all very close together in, in radio frequency. So we, we will observe them all at the same time. Um, and when you look at them together, um, anytime you see a cloud in the interstellar medium, uh, there's, there's some patterns that you tend to see between those four transitions. Um, the normal pattern is that, uh, Three of them are in absorption and one's in emission. And that's a pretty typical thing. Uh, so we see that everywhere. Um, but then every here and there, we see this shape where two of them are in absorption. Then the other two, one of them starts off in emission with the other in absorption, but then they flip. So um, if I can give them names, it might help. So there's uh, the the two that are in absorption. They're, they're called the main lines. Um, they're at uh, 1665 and 1667 megahertz. Um, but then the other two, we call them the satellite lines. One's a 1612 and the other 1720 megahertz. So I call them 1612 and 1720. Um, so for example, you, you're looking at this uh, spectral feature and um, at first the, the 1612 is in absorption and the 1720 is in emission, but then, um, uh, so that's like in the blue shifted side, but then if you go to the red shifted side, uh, it, it flips and the, um, well, it's backwards, whatever I said, <laughs> the 1612, it's hard to keep it straight. If I'm looking at it, it's easier. Uh, the 1612 goes into emission and then the 1720 is in absorption. So it's still that kind of general pattern where we often see, like I said, three in absorption and one in emission. It's just the one that is in emission changes across what looks to be like a single feature or a single cloud. So that kind of stood out as this interesting thing. Um, I actually noticed it in uh, when I was doing honors uh, at UNSW. And um, like everything you notice when you're a baby researcher, it had been noticed before and there were other papers on it before. Um, but I'm like, what is this thing? And my supervisor didn't really know. And um, so I didn't think too much about it. Um, but then later when I, when I was doing my master's, I saw it again and I asked my, my new supervisor, Joe Dawson here at Macquarie. Um, she's like, oh, I don't know. And yeah, so I started looking into it and nobody knew. So I'm like, ah, I will find out. <laughs> so we, we just had a, a thought about, you know, what, what could possibly cause these things. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's how the, the paper came about is, is we kind of, we figured it out. Um, so one side of, of the feature, the, um, the blue shifted side, it, um, it has a 1720 in emission. And we find that that can happen um, 
in compressed gas, so, so denser gas, it's a little bit hotter. Um, and then when the 1612 is in emission, that can happen in gas that's more diffuse. Um, and so that's on the red shifted side. So that kind of paints this picture that you have blue shifted gas coming towards you sort of fast, which is expanding off of a of a H2 region, uh, sorry, a um, ionized hydrogen region, which would be around a newly formed massive star, because they'll have a lot of energy output. So they're, they're pushing their surroundings out. And um, that gas, blue shifted gas, then crashes into the surrounding material, um, which is where you can get the 1612 emissions. So that's um, the red shifted half. So it's kind of this interface between an expanding ionized hydrogen region and its environment, which is, which is, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, there, there aren't actually any other really good ways of probing that interface. So, yeah, so, so if we're right, <laughs> which hopefully we'll find out soon, but if, if we're right that it does imply um, this, this kind of uh, gas expanding off of a ionized region and crashing into its environment, then that'll provide an interesting way of probing that, that interaction. Uh, and we're we're hopefully going to find out if we're right because we just got approved for some for some follow-up observations with the VLA, the Very Large Array in in New Mexico. So it's that big um, uh, big radio interferometer. So we'll be able to hopefully chase this up and see if we're actually right. And so, how did you how did you actually investigate the um the, the tracer? What 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 was your um what was your process? Well, um, we we were trying to keep it really. Uh, not not too terribly specific. Like we didn't um, we didn't take like one example of this flip and try to figure out exactly what was going on in that instance. Uh, we we were we tried to keep it a little bit more broad. So there's um, something like I don't know 30 examples of this flip. So we're looking at sort of broad trends. So um, we were looking at okay, well how how wide do the features tend to be um, and wide is in uh, velocity. So what's the Doppler broadening of these features? Um, what's the intensity of the feature? So just we got some kind of general characteristics of, of the flip. Um, and then that allowed us to use some molecular excitation modeling. So this is some code that uh, one of my supervisors, uh, Dr. Mark Wardle, um, has written in Fortran. Oh, uh, <laughs> but it does the magic of it. it uh, if you, you can put in um, environmental parameters, so uh, clouds density, it's temperature, it's radiative environment, all that kind of stuff. And it'll then uh, tell you what the observations would look like. So we tried to say, okay, well, what kind of uh, cloud parameters, what cloud characteristics would lead to the three lines being an absorption and one of them being an emission um, with the like Doppler broadening that all the, and the relative intensities that, that we see. Uh, and we worked out that um, in order to get one of them to be the one that's emitting, you would need slightly higher densities. And uh, for the other one, you would need slightly higher radiation in the environment. So that then led us to think, okay, well, what kind of, uh, what kind of natural environments can, do we see this? Um, there was one other clue that we had though, which is that uh, the vast majority of these flips um, are locally associated with these H2 regions, these expanding, uh, we didn't know if they were, uh, you know, like right on top of the, the expanding ionized gas or if they were maybe adjacent to it. So we, we don't know that, but we know that they're close. 
But the fact that it's in the neighborhood then allowed us to say, well, maybe they are the same. Maybe they are associated. So it, yeah, it was, it was really just like some detective work. <laughs> and um, so we got this initial idea before we had done all of the modeling for it, but it was great. Cause like, as the modeling was coming in, it just kept reinforcing and reinforcing. We're like, wow, wow, this is great. Um, so yeah, it was, that was a pretty, it was a pretty fun process, but yeah, it kind of went back and forth between observational. So digging up papers that had reported uh, pictures that I spent hours looking at like every paper that had published a, a spectrum of, of hydroxyl. And I found, yeah, like 30 examples of the flip. Um, oh. And then yeah, playing with some excitation code to, to try and replicate it. So is that, um, you mentioned that you have, uh, uh, was it a grant to, to do some continuation um, study into this? Is that what your PhD is about? No, no, unfortunately it's too late for me. Um, I'm, my, my PhD is wrapping up in oh, right. about six, six months. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I wasn't even involved in that, uh, in that proposal, um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's follow-up that's come from that. My PhD is actually, well, the first part of my PhD was focused on uh, diagnosing what this flip is. And that first paper will be um, a big bulk of, of my PhD, but um, the other big bulk of my PhD is actually I write uh, software that will automate the process of, um, of data analysis for hydroxyl observations, so those four transitions. Um, it just applies uh, a lot of the physics that we know about how the transitions should relate to one another um, and uses uh, Bayesian statistics to try and get a better uh, Oh, you remember how I said like the brightness of the transitions, that kind of stuff? Um, that's actually a little bit more complicated than it sounds to, to pin down exactly what those brightnesses are. It's not so simple as just measuring it off the instrument because sometimes we can have three or four clouds that are all overlapping. So we have to kind of separate which, which cloud is which. Uh, so I've written um, some pretty extensive software that will, will do that. Um, so that's, that's kind of the other major part of my PhD. Oh, I'm just going to go back. Paper to come soon on that. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to, to, uh, to a theater near papers, you. Yeah, yeah, papers <laughs> in preparation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, just want to go back to the, um, the, the hydroxyl flip. So how, how does it actually flip? What's the, um, what's the, mm. what's behind that? Okay, so so what it what it is um, when, when I say flip, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing like physically there locally going upside down it's 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 purely in the the spectra so when we look at spectra we're looking at um intensity as a function of of uh, line of sight velocity so um this is this is something that's common to study of interstellar medium uh, rather than looking at, at spectra as um intensity as a function of frequency um since our spectral lines tend to be really really far away from one another in frequency we we, we tend to um convert them to like a Doppler shifted velocity. That way we can look at um, multiple transitions, compare them to each other uh, for a single cloud. Um, so the, the flip just means that when you go from lower velocities to higher velocities, you're getting, you're getting a change in, in um, one is going from emission to absorption, the other is going from absorption to emission. So, um, so what's happening is um, if you didn't have the, uh, Okay, so there's a, there's a couple things happening at once. If you have a, a gas cloud and it's just sitting there and there's no, no ionized gas, nothing, just no, no HG region, just, just sitting there, then most likely all four of the transitions are gonna be in absorption. 
um, getting one of them to go into a mission, it's actually stimulated emission. So it's, it's the same mechanism by which lasers work. So you need to have uh, what's called a, a population inversion. But long story short, there just has to be an energy source to, um, to what we call pump uh, this, uh, this population inversion. So there needs to be a, a source of extra energy. And that energy can come from either the gas being heated, because if the gas is heated, then there's more collisions. So the collisions can provide that energy source. Or if you have a lot of, um, say like infrared radiation, those infrared photons can also provide that energy source. So there's kind of those two mechanisms. Um, so if you have a gas cloud and you stick a, um, a source of infrared radiation in it, which could be the ionized gas, will uh, it'll heat the dust that's around it and the dust will emit infrared. But if you just have a source of infrared radiation, what that tends to do is that tends to make the 1612 uh, transition emit. So you've got a gas cloud, you've got an infrared source, you have 1612 emission. Um, but then if you add on top of that, a shock wave. So uh, if you have your source of infrared radiation, if that's an H2 region, it's gonna ionize its, its immediate surroundings, which will make those expand. So the expanding gas will then crash into the stationary gas and increase the density of it. So it's that shock wave, that increased density will then make um, more collisions, which makes the 1720 go into emission. So, so that's what's flipping, is that you have this kind of, uh, quote, normal situation where you have the 1612 in emission. But then by having this shock wave travel through the gas, you're going to switch off that 1612 and flip it to the 1720. So uh, when we look at the profile, we can actually see both, both things happening at the same time. So we see the ambient gas, uh, but that's like stationary relative to us. But the 1720, since it's a shock wave coming off of the, uh, the ionized gas region, it's blue shifted because it's coming towards us. Um, so that, uh, that's why you get the two um, things rather than like canceling each other out if we have one being an emission and then absorption and then, the, and then flipping. Um, that's why you can actually see them as separate things is because of that relative motion. Um, and we only see the, like, I, I don't know, uh, one of the first things I thought of when we were considering this situation is like, well, what about the back of it? Because if you've got something expanding, it'll be a spherical expansion. Um, but all of, all of these observations, the observations of the, the ambient gas and that expanding gas, it's all in contrast to the um, broad emitting source of the, the ionized gas. So behind that, you don't have any of that background there's no like background radiation or like insufficient background so we only see what's between us and that um that ionized gas so we see the the the, the stuff expanding away from it and that ambient stuff so when it expands away it's always moving towards us because we only see what's between us and the and that background ionized gas region all right um, where do you see yourself um, in the future with your with your research? What do you want to look into next? <laughs> I want to look into getting a job. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, look, my when when from when I was a little kid, I, I always wanted to uh, pursue an, a career in academia, um, but that kind of changed once I started spending more time in academia uh, and realizing that. Uh, 
oh, it just wasn't quite what I what I pictured for myself. So I'm I'm actually planning on going into industry. So um, having done a PhD in astrophysics, which is very computationally heavy and very uh, software development heavy, it means that I'm um, I'll come out qualified as a very capable data scientist, right? So I'm looking at data science jobs. Um, the great thing about about having done a PhD uh, is um, and having all of those data science skills is that I can kind of choose whichever sector I want to. You know, it's kind of the world is your oyster when you <laughs> when you have this set of skills. Um, so I'm I'm my plan for the future is to hopefully hook up with like a um, charity or, or NGO, like a, um, some kind of social justice, like startup or something and, and do all of their data science for them. That's, that's my plan. I think that's all I have time for. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, that was really interesting. Was... I really like talking to you about that stuff. That was great. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Stardust MQ is a podcast made with the support of the Macquarie University Department of Physics and Astronomy and the Macquarie University Physics and Astronomy Society. Thanks to Oliver Doherty for editing this episode. Our intro music is by Poddington Bear and our outro theme is from Ketsa. I'll talk to you next time.